there, it's Angela, and I'm so glad you found your way here to architecting. Creative careers can be stressful, and it's hard to be vulnerable, but this is your landing pad for raw honesty. I'll help you get clarity, reconnect with your passion, and have the career of your dreams. If you're ready to make a difference, have an impact, and say bye-bye to burnout, stick with me, and let's get architecting. <laughs> Bright Lights, it's Angela. Welcome to Architecting. It is so amazing to have you with us today. I so appreciate you taking the time to listen in. What I always say is what we choose to do with our time reflects our priorities. When we make time for the things that matter to us, somehow we miraculously can shuffle that schedule to make it work. And the stuff that really doesn't excite us, we tend to respond with, I'm too busy. I did a whole episode on how I'm too busy is code language that you might want to go back and take a listen to because it's really helpful to see how not only you use it in your life and be more aware of what you're saying yes to and what you are saying no to and more importantly, why you are having those responses, but to also notice why other people are saying it. When somebody can't make time to do something or work on an initiative or volunteer, there may be more behind it besides lack of white space on their calendar. And it may be something that could be a signal to you that either they're not interested, it's not resonating, so back off. Or have a different conversation with them if you think it is something that's important for them to consider a priority so that they could understand it from that point of view and you can kind of have a meeting of the minds. Really want to focus in 2024 on this idea of living vivid. Vivid is my word of the year and to me that is a lot about joy seeking. Opposite of joy seeking is workism. This term first came out of an article written in 2019 in The Atlantic. It essentially reflects this idea that work is your identity. It isn't just what you do. We talk a lot in the architecting community about work being passion-led and being a vocation. So it might be easy to think if work is your life that this must mean that you are following your passion. But are you living to work or are you working to live? If you are living to work, that means that work is energizing you. It means you feel this incredible alignment between what feels fun, what feels joyful to you, and what you get to do every day. While you may work a lot of hours, you also are still a fully realized 3D person. So you still 
have a well-rounded life, you are focusing on self-care, you are getting all seven forms of your rest, which is a really important way to think about feeding your soul, having that antidote to burnout, which comes from the work of Sandra Dalton-Smith, who I also did an interview with way back in season one of this podcast, definitely worth listening to because she herself had been a burned out internal medicine doctor who realized that just taking time off or taking more naps or getting more sleep was not really solving her problem. And she looked at life across seven dimensions that provide restoration to us and wrote a whole book on this called Sacred Rest. Another reason that workism is bad is because it is a joy killer. This is the fastest way to getting burned out. It really does lead to feeling that you can't take time off or to catastrophize what it would mean if you don't put in a certain amount of hours or get certain things crossed off the to-do list. But those things are not really the things that are going to move the needle on your project, at your firm, in your career. And you're simply allowing them to expand into your time because you've got this set point that says, this is what I have to do. Right around the time of the new year, I got this great text from an old college friend and a long time supporter of the podcast, even before it was a podcast, back when it was a blog called The Patron Saint of Architecture. You can still go read the old blog posts if you Google Patron Saint of Architecture. My friend Sheila Fairley, who is just such a great member of this community and is always replying back to my newsletters or sending me ideas. So she sends me this text that says, catchy clickbait, and has a photo from an article titled, Busy is the New Stupid, the Art of Doing Less Better. And I thought, wow, that is so perfect. The sentiment comes from a quote from Warren Buffett. It really gets to the point of why workism is bad, because when you are busy, you are not leveraging your time or your talent to its highest and best use. I sent Sheila back the rolling on the floor laughing emoji because she knows that this has been kind of a battle cry that I've been sounding. I've been trying to evangelize around this topic forever. It is clickbait because I think we're all exhausted from how busy we are or think we are. And that's the myth of being busy. Here's why it is so toxic. You are not working, to use a term from the medical profession, at top of license. 
And I think it's a really interesting analogy. As many of you know, I'm a healthcare architect. In healthcare, there is a shortage of doctors and nurses. And what they are trying to do is encourage fields like nurse practitioner or medical assistant to grow. And the term top of license means what is the highest value work you can do that you can still be within the parameters of what your license allows you to do. So not overstepping boundaries or doing anything that might compromise safety, but constantly saying, how can we have any staff member work at the highest level of value, top of license? I think it's a great question to ask no matter what profession you are in. How can you do more of that top of license work? That is the high ROI work. Studies have been done showing that executives, but many of us as well, spend as much as 50% of our day in meetings. Most of those meetings, however, are not high value. They're not the meetings where we are making decisions or brainstorming, or producing anything. So that makes it not a high productive task. Are you doing something that you could delegate? You'll often hear me say, who else could do this is the best question you could ask yourself. Giving away as much work to other people as you possibly can is always the best strategy because it is so easy to get bogged down in the minutiae of things. I just the other day was submitting a speaker proposal to a conference and chasing down bios from my co-speakers, looking on our website because you had to turn in a profile picture. How much time did that take? And was that really the best thing for me to do? Felt like in the moment, the easiest thing for me to do. I was sitting there, I was trying to get this proposal done. The submittal form kept prompting me for more and more information to just track it down on my own than to have to reach out to our marketing department or to my co-speakers and then have to wait for a response or maybe get in the queue of what they already had to do. So it felt simpler, easier, faster, dare I say, to do it all myself. However, what was I not doing because I was doing that task, which all told submitting this because you can only have a certain number of words and you don't realize till you put something in that it's too long and then you have to edit it and going back and forth. Something that should have taken maybe 10 minutes because the proposal was written just to put it in the online form and submit it ended up taking probably closer to an hour. And if you look at your day, you probably can find a lot of tasks like that that are not the highest and best use of your time, that interrupt your productivity, that end up being stand-ins for work that you could be doing when you work at your highest and best use. I ended up that same day working until 8 p.m. because I had to get other things done by diverting my time to this speaker proposal. And I'm sure many other things, too. I didn't really go back and pay attention. That was just the biggest, most glaring one. 
I bought myself an extra two hours in the office. So I usually leave at six. And that is a direct result of workism. Problem is, in our industry, we wear our busyness as a badge of honor. How many times do you hear people brag about how many hours they work or the late nights they put in? I worked on a project years ago where the whole team was staying late into the night, and I don't want to do that. I don't work that way. But it felt like by going home, I wasn't being a team player. Maybe you've experienced that too. The culture of your firm or the microculture of a team might even make you feel like you have to work all these hours. And how do you take a stand for that? In the article that Sheila sent me, there's just this really great argument that the author makes about looking at the return on investment. Thinking about what benefit you get for the time you're putting in. So certainly some meetings have a very high ROI and absolutely should be happening. Some tasks have a very high ROI and definitely should be happening. But what we often forget, going back to what I was saying earlier about the self-care and the seven forms of rest and the well-being, is that having a fun evening with friends, spending quality time with your family, getting enough sleep, working out, going to a museum or seeing a movie or reading a book and being inspired, travel that opens your mind. These activities often have an even higher ROI than those important business meetings. We've just been taught that if it isn't directly billable or work-related, it has less value. really want to challenge all of you in this community to think about things differently. So let's reframe this because this is a core tenant of stressless success. It is what was behind my book, Time Builder, and I teach a whole course on this. The more you are well-resourced, the better you function. Being high-functioning and high-performing absolutely depends on you resourcing yourself. The work I do as a healthcare architect focuses very specifically on research in this area. It's something called salutogenesis. You might have heard me mention it before, this idea of health generating. And at its core, salutogenesis is disrupted by distress. The busyness that we choose is not only not productive, but it generates stress. It fuels feeling overwhelmed and burned out and like you are running on a treadmill that just keeps going faster. And enough is enough. Let's break that cycle today. Let's say bye-bye to workism by embracing fun and joy. Now stay with me because this is going to feel strange, maybe even uncomfortable like you're goofing off and how can you give yourself permission? So I'm going to talk you through this so that it 
feels really good and really empowering to give yourself permission to choose joy. Choosing joy is not goofing off. It's helping you be more resourced. When you have more resources, you're doing more better in less time. To have the courage and the clarity to make decisions that are aligned with your purpose, that are going to bring you more joy, and to be motivated to invest in your self-care because you understand how it fuels your creativity and your ability to be innovative. Step one, and this is going to sound absolutely off the wall, you have to care less. The scandal. Caring less is not being careless, reckless, not taking the time to understand something. Caring less means you don't make yourself so important. You don't make such an emotional investment in everything about what you're doing and how you're showing up. When we make that super big investment, when we care too much, we're letting our ego lead the way. We're looking to defend our position against threats. We are showing up looking for trouble. When you look for trouble, you're going to find it. When you find it, you're going to want to exterminate it, which means that there becomes conflict. So if someone doesn't agree with you, you feel like you have to win them over. If somebody is skeptical or challenges you, you feel like it's an attack. Instead of being able to stay curious, keep things lighthearted, using that mirroring energy that how you show up will influence how other people show up. So when you show up super serious and it's super heavy and everything is about being right, you're just creating toxic energy for everyone. Start to invest a little bit less. Let it go. Ask if people have thought about certain things, but don't push it only being the way that you want it to be. Step two, think about how you can infuse positive energy into every encounter. Are you bringing with you an ability to see the good in a situation instead of the negative? How can you turn it around? How can you reframe it? How can you help people see the solution, not just the problem? And by doing that, how can you shift the energy around the work that's being done so that it does feel fun? It does feel like a psychologically safe place for people to experiment and test limits instead of just doing what they know works. Step three, stop defending your perspective. All truths are true. We've been taught to operate in this very polarized way where there is a right way and a wrong way. What if that isn't true? What if everyone was right? They're at least right in their own mind. So instead of putting your energy into bringing people to your way of thinking, just accept the fact that they could also be right. You don't have to agree with them, but they can be right. When we're holding on so tight to being right, 
then we start to do more things out of obligation because we feel that we have to because we've set up all of these rules for ourselves and other people all of these expectations what if you could just let go of that the last step is to ask yourself what is the most fun thing you could do today your old self will tell you all the reasons why you can't do that all the things you have to get done instead that you have to make a priority I want you to do it anyway for those of you that are thinking well i'll lose my job if i did that you really won't and here's why if you did the most fun thing that you could think of to do today you would be so much lighter you wouldn't be sitting here arguing worried about what other people think of you making up stories about what someone's motivation is for everything they do and say you just let it go and you do what made you happy you'd have better boundaries you could clearly say to someone i'm available to do that or not available to do that and have it be an emotionally clean transaction where you're not reading into it you're just doing what works for you this really does change how people perceive you the respect they have for you they won't waste your time because your time isn't available to be wasted they'll be motivated around you because you're fun to be around and you inspire them and with this kind of attitude shift in your workplace in your life we can say goodbye to workism and embrace a world where we do work that we love that truly does make a difference for everyone I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Are you struggling with workism? Drop me a line or tag me at Architecting Podcast on Instagram or visit our LinkedIn page. And don't forget to like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen and tell a friend who might need to hear this today. I will see you next time. Love you so much. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you want even more content, head on over to architectingpodcast.com and subscribe to my newsletter and get some great free downloads while you're there. Be sure to follow me on social media on Instagram at Architecting Podcast, Facebook and LinkedIn pages are Architecting, and the YouTube channel Architecting Podcast. Stay inspired.